Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast, brought to you from the team behind Cycling Plus, MBUK and BikeRadar.com. Hello and welcome to the Bike Radar podcast. I'm Tom Marvin, the technical editor at Bike Radar, and joining me today over the power of Microsoft Teams is Warren Roster. He's our senior road technical editor. How are you getting on today, Warren? I'm all good, thanks, mate. Yeah, yeah, all good. Surviving. Surviving, yeah. You've uh, you've been out on the bike today, is that right? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was a, a yeah nice fun morning. I'm out riding the new 2021 version of um, Cairns Adventure e gravel bike. Um, yeah, and um, I, I was impressed actually. It's a, it's a it's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. You're saying that's a new one with a the updated Fazio motor, is that right? It has, yeah, yeah. And they've they've made a few tweaks to the original design. They, they've like moved the controller. You know, it's now flush fitted in the top tube, so it, it looks nice and cool. Um, and yeah, they made a few tweaks to the spec and stuff. But um, yeah, so it's, it's a really impressive bike, you know, um, and at a really good price too. So you know, compared to what else is out there, um, I'm looking forward to getting getting a lot more time out on it. To be honest. And are you, are you in the middle of Bike of the Year testing? I know I am I'm testing a lot of mountain bikes at the moment for April's Bike of the Year. Um, you're doing the same on the road bikes? Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, it's a it's an interesting year. What with the uh, mm. global shortages, um, price variances almost by the day, etc. But um, uh, yeah, yeah, getting stuck into that as much as I can. Be be really hitting hitting that much heavier over the next next couple of weeks. You know. Um, Trying to take myself offline of all my other duties and just just ride bikes every day. I don't actually know it's a privilege, but um, well, not when it's raining every single day. <laughs> no, not when it's raining every single day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think um, next year we should be looking at sponsorship from uh, a detergent manufacturer or washing machine company. <laughs> yeah, Calgon maybe. <laughs> yeah, happy days. Well, um, I'm sure a lot of our re- uh, listeners do uh, sort of know a bit of your background, but you're you're the technical editor on Cycling Plus uh, and on Bike Radar. Um, responsible for a lot of our road bike content and how, how many years have you been testing bikes oh god um too too, too long to to think about really um you know i've been involved in 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 our business since the late 90s um and even though originally i was a uh, an art editor and a designer i was always testing stuff as well i kind of switched over full-time to testing i can't even remember when but um uh, you know, I, I, I roughly worked it out, and it's I've tested in excess of probably two and a half thousand bikes in the time I've been mm. doing it. So um, I've been around a long time. I'm furniture I mean, now. Two and a half, two and a half thousand bikes. 
without sort of, you know, not in a sort of blowing trumpets way, probably makes you... There can't be many people globally who have ridden a, a wider range and a bigger number of different bikes than you. You know, I'm sure a lot of engineers who are developing bikes for the big brands have probably ridden many, many iterations of their own bikes. But in terms of the, the breadth and width of number of different bikes, arguably there's probably not many people who've ridden more than you. Is that right? Uh, probably not. You know, there's a few, you know, there's a few guys that I know, you know, sort of contemporaries of of, of my kind of era that, that are probably up there with me, you know, um, uh, strangely there were there'll be all people that started off within our with our organization um are now off um in their own other little bits of the media so but no probably not probably pro- probably not at the kind of frequency that 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 I'm doing it i guess i mean that that, that puts you in a both an incredibly privileged position to be able to ride so many different things but also i guess <laughs> a slightly confusing uh position of of having so many different um irons in the fire that you know, how, how how do you sort of work out what you do like and what you don't like and how do you sort of remember all of these different bikes? There's a lot of information going on. There is, but I think, you know, if you look at like certain bikes, if you take something like the, um, say, Cannondale Sib 6 Evo, I think I've been on the, I've been on the launch of every generation of that bike. And I, so I've ridden every generation of that bike. So I've kind of seen in the way it's it's developed, the way, where it's come from and, and where it's at now. Probably the same with the Synapse. Um, uh, even like the giant TCR, you know, which has been around since like '97, which is basically, I think, when I started. Um, I think I've ridden every every generation of TCR as well. So you get mm-hmm. to sort of, I, I think, you know, once you've been and you've spoken to the people behind these things, and you've you've, um, you, you know, you've you've really had the time to to ride and understand what what people are about. You you kind of start to understand the DNA of of what these bikes are, you know, what they're aiming for, what they're trying to what they're trying mm-hmm. to achieve. You. you a lot of bikes have, you know, they're almost like a. You can't say it's a personality; it's an animal object. But but the personality of the people behind it comes through. You know, there are some of the Italian brands, like a Pinarello, always like rides like a Pinarello. You mm-hmm. you take one from 10, 15 years ago to the ones today, and they have the same thing. They have the same feel, and I think the same is true. You know, the same is true of someone like Cannondale as well. You know, and um, even like the the latest TCR, which is you know a, a work of engineering beauty. When you you ride one of those against like one of the originals, like maybe the first, com- you know, the first composite t- TCR. There's something there. There's there's a correlation between the two. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's you can you can feel that that history. I mean, I think when you're testing anything, you um you almost have to park your own peccadilloes, your own preference, and anything. You have to put yourself in the mindset of who that bike's for. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like. You know, because I'll be tested everything from a pro tour bike to um, a, a five hundred quid hybrid to ride to work on. You know, and I, I love that about the job. I love that 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 you know variance that we get. But you can't apply the same reasoning to a five hundred quid hybrid. So you would have you know twelve thousand pound superbike. What's important to one thing is a different is is differently important to another yeah. thing. Yeah, it, it it it'd be ridiculous criticizing it. You know, a a, a cheap flat flat barred round town bike for not having the bottom bracket stiffness you require if you're a pro tour sprinter you know it's just mm-hmm. it, it, it's not the it's not the issue and i think um and, and i think the other thing i've always tried to to do is to to make sure i've got a nice variety you know 
I'm not I'm not one of those sort of people that can just go right you just get yeah, one bite for everything even though I really mm. like that kind of genre that's that emerging genre mm. um I I like having bikes that are quite specific because then you can ride them and sort of get into the mindset of the difference between a you know an a, a, an endurance bike between a race bike between a you know a aero road bike or a gravel bike you know mm. um they don't all have to amalgamate into one, you know, one high performance thing. The high performance can mean some different things to different people, you know. So it's it's nice having a, a bike that's very specialist at doing the right thing and you use it for the right role. Mm. Yeah, the yeah, it's, it's a case of the right tool for the job. I mean, you know, I think um I think mountain bikers have understood that for a long time, you know. Mm. That, that it's just that absolute definition of having the right tool for the job. It's kind of you know, there is something to be said for taking a bike out of its element. For you know, sure. Um, you know, I think I think that's some of the beauty of of what I I like about gravel is is taking a bike beyond its capabilities or beyond its its natural environment. Um, because then more of the onus falls on you mm-hmm. rather than what the bike can do, sort of thing. So it's like um, riding gravel, right? You know, riding gravel bikes on on sort of technical single track trails, uh, yeah. I love that. It's it's brilliant, but there's a whole sector of the kind of gravel riding world that wouldn't dream of doing that. It would be why mm-hmm. would you do that to get a mountain bike? But I kind of like the the almost the juxtaposition of it. I think so yeah. makes it all fun. So I guess this sort of ties us into you know what we really w- w- wanted to talk about today. There's um, <clears throat> an article you wrote in Cycling Plus magazine, which um, as of I think the day that this podcast is going live is uh, going to be a long read on Bike Radar. Um, and also ties into a few comments we saw in a recent YouTube video on Bike Radar's YouTube channel. Um, and it basically comes down to uh, some pictures that people have seen of your garage, Warren, which is um, quite a sight to behold it's if quite, you are yeah. um, on the nerdier end of cycling. So do you want to just get, paint us a, a quick picture of at least your main garage? Yes, I mean, that's that's the actual thing is... Um, um, I have two garages. Mm-hmm. Um, we've only seen one in publication um, because the other one, which um, uh, is quite hard to get into, it's quite it's so full. Uh, going back to it, even when we moved into this house, um, um, when we were looking to move, you know, to to buy a bigger place and everything, and my wife had Laura. She just had like these things that she was looking for, you know, nice garden, conservatory. Mm nice kitchen blah 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 because we were moving from a flat and i was going i need storage space for for my bikes that was my yeah. priority you know I, you know I, I if it had been left to me i would have bought a warehouse and we'd be sleeping in the shed on the just on, on the <laughs> annex of it sort of thing um so yeah i've i i to be honest tom mate i've uh i would say i've probably got a problem in that, right you know um uh i i kind of collect all these bikes i never get rid of i never really get rid of any um, uh-huh. and I sort of end up with these bigger emotional attachments to to, to lots mm-hmm. of them. You know, you know, all all the bikes that I still own and I still you know and I still ride them all. You know, none of them have been mothballed or or anything. Um, there's there's something about them that that made me want to keep hold of them. And I think you know, going back to how many bikes I test, I, I probably you know, in any given year, I'd probably say there might be. 20 percent of the bikes that I've I've ridden and I've tested that I think God, I'd look, I. I yeah, I, I'd like this. You know, well, I, this I could really do with in my life, and so I think I'm quite restrained. 
Um, Laura thinks I'm insane. Mm. Um, you know, her thing is, we can only ever ride one bike. And I'm going, yeah, I'm missing the point. You know, I have a lot of shoes, but I can only wear one one pair at a time. So yeah, people true. have commented on my shoe collection. But having... then, but then, you know, the other thing is that Laura, you know, she's got um, she's got a road bike, she's got a mountain bike, she's got a folding bike for when you know she is sort uh-huh. of unable to go to her office. Um, she's got a, an e bike with a basket on the front, you know, so we can go out and do the shopping. So you know, she's complaining at me, but she's got four bikes. And and how many have you got, Warren? I don't. You don't know, do you? <laughs> it's twenty. It's it's. it's between 25 and 30, depending on um, state of build, if you know what I mean. Okay. There are some long-standing projects or um, bikes where I, I went down the kind of route of, uh, oh, I should do this to that. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, life gets in the way and you don't finish. It's sort of... So, I mean, that's that's probably more my, my other garage that you don't see. You know, the, the garage mm-hmm. that we've seen in the pictures, etc. that's kind of my live garage, so... That's my my own bikes that I ride a lot and test bikes and um, etc. And I must just say that it's very very heavily alarmed. It's got a completely <laughs> impenetrable door, and uh, my bedroom is just above it. So, <laughs> and we're not going to release whereabouts. Either, uh, like that. Yes, it, yeah. Um, w- one of the things that I actually, I mean, I mean, knowing you, it didn't actually surprise me. But I guess as um, you know, if I didn't know you, one of the things that surprised me when I saw the the, the range of bikes. Um, was actually the range of bikes in there. It's, it's not just um, skinny tired or, or gravel bikes with, with drop bars. There's some really interesting uh, mountain bikes in there. There's some, you were saying there's a dirt jump bike in there. There's there's a huge range of bikes in there. Um, so one of the things we obviously we want to talk about is is this range of bikes. Um, and I know that there's some good stories connected to some of these bikes, which you know hopefully that you're going to be happy to sort of share with us. But um, yeah, it, it, so it, it's not just um, beautiful carbon race bikes from from the road is it no no not at all not at all i think you know um there's everything you know because i i did start out um i was on them on the mountain bike side of things um you know that's that's effectively why i got into the into the media you know because when i was you know when i was at college or or um even prior to that you know mountain biking was my thing you know competed and 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 just enjoyed it so much but then um then kind of got more and more into the road side of things. And um, it was more the convenience of road, really, that, that mm-hmm. kind of, you know, I could step outside my front door and I was doing it, uh, you know, whereas um, mountain biking kind of evolved into where you needed to travel to get to the best places. And, you know, yeah. and, and when you're, uh, I guess when you, you know, you, you're more challenged time-wise, then it's just the, the, the road had had its appeal and um the kind of gravel thing was always you know part and parcel of it you know I, it was always something that i effectively was doing on on mountain bikes anyway and i think most most people of that era that 90s era that's pretty much what you did you know mm-hmm. an os map in your back pocket and you went off and rode gravel roads and dipped into bits of single track and rode through the woods and that sort of thing it was more it was more it was closer to orienteering than it was to you know, jumping off stuff sure. as it is today, kind of thing. So it's it's, um, you kind of you know you kind of fall in fall into those things. But yeah, yeah, I've got this huge you know variety of bikes. As I say, you know, I've got, you know, that it's it sort of one of those things that sets the precedent. I think I think um, the the DMR Trailstar I've got is like mm-hmm. um, it's a single digit frame number on it. So it's one of the very first that they made, and it's a bike that I got in on one of the now defunct mountain bike magazines I worked on. Total total mountain bike. Um, we got in and, and tested and I rode it and just loved it. And so I just, you know, called up 
um, Dom, now with Mason Bikes, of course, you know, Dom Mason, and called him up and said, hey, look, Dom, I love this bike, mate. It's brilliant. Um, can I buy it? You know, so mm-hmm. it didn't go back. It, it you know, it, it came home with me and it's still here now. And um, it's gone through so many different changes. It's, it's you know, I wouldn't call it a mountain bike anymore. It's got, um, you know, it's V-brakes, it's single speed. It's, uh, it has got a suspension fork on it. I can't even remember what it was, so. No lean? Do you remember No Lean? Okay. It came yep. out of like the Pro Flexing. Beautiful fork. Yep. Really nice. Um and um now it's just got like some big two and a half inch slicks on it. And I, I use it in the summer to ride to and from the pub sort of thing. So right. you know, um but it's got this smattering of like mad parts on it, you know, there's like um a set of ultralight CNC cranks on it from um Rooks, I think it was the brand. And an old like Swiss brand, you know, like proper bit of bling. Um, so there's things like that. There's the you know the last bike that I was sort of raced on, which was a short, very very short wheelbase, full suspension, isonic. You know, okay. with, with like four and a half inch travel. But uh-huh. it's tw- obviously it's twenty six inch wheel. But you get that out today and put that alongside a modern mountain bike, and it's like, is that for children? Is that BMX? It <laughs> looks so ridiculously short. But yeah. I remember at the time riding it thinking, God, this thing's brilliant. It's so flickable. It's so chuckable because it is tiny, you know. Yeah. And um, um, then there's, I've still got a Bianchi carbon hardtail, which was one of the first carbon hardtails they made. I think mm-hmm. it's called the Ertzel or something like that. You know, I think it's um, one of Bianchi's many world champions rode it, you know. Right. And that, that frame set, I, I, I went out to Bianchi um, to do a feature on, um, on their history. Mm-hmm. And whilst I was out there, I saw that frame set and thought, wow, that's, that looks mental. I, I really like that. And was chatting with them and they're going, oh, yeah, we don't sell that one in the UK at the minute. And so I managed to, before we'd left, uh, buy it, buy that frame set and, and fly home with it. Wow. Uh, no, I didn't try and put it through on expenses or anything. I was <laughs> uh, I was pretty good. But also whilst I was out there, I saw um, Bianchi made the Pista, the like fully chromed fixie. Gorgeous mm. looking bike with the World Champ stripes on it retro Bianchi logos and I saw that there and I went my god that thing's amazing and was chatting to them again yeah that's not one they bring into the UK and I was kind of why that's mad it, it's so pretty um mm-hmm. and when I got home you know I was chatting I was again I was chatting with Laura who I must explain is half Italian and a huge Bianchi fan and I was showing her photos of that bike going look at this it's stunning and she was like yeah and I went can I have it for Christmas and so <laughs> we we got in touch with you know Bianchi Italy um because it was a Bianchi US only product um, right. Okay. Uh, but they agreed to sell me one, and so I had it for for Christmas that, that year. And then, um, and then weirdly, I just decided I was going to put it in the mag. You know, I almost like pushed Bianchi's buttons, and we mm-hmm. got such a great response from it that then Bianchi started bringing it into the UK. Really? Yeah. And um, I think they had a big success of it because it wasn't expensive, but it looks you know it looks a million dollars, but it was like five hundred quid or four hundred quid. You know, right. stunning looking thing, and I've still got that. You know, so. I mean, how, how long ago was that? Is that is that quite a recent? Is oh, that... that was no, that's um, probably twelve, twelve, probably like twelve, thirteen years ago, something like that. You know, it was a long time ago. I mean, I could probably find that the feature I wrote about Yankee because it was a really interesting, a really interesting trip. But you know, it, but all of, all of these bikes have a you know, it's not necessarily just a performance connection. It can be another kind of thing. You know, if I, I think one of the ones I talk about in um, in the feature, um, the stock scenario comp. Mm. You know, just 
I, you know, that machine is stunning. You know, 1999, um, it was at Eurobike, the actual frame set. It painted in this amazing, like, candy apple flip metallic green. And it's it's one of the good old um, aluminium stalks. You know, Stork makes some amazing carbon bikes, but I do genuinely think their heyday was aluminium. They were like the kings of it. They took what the likes of Cannondale and Klein were doing with aluminium and just elevated it. You know, right. it was just beautiful. And I'd ridden a scenario um, and absolutely loved it. And I saw it at Eurobike. I thought, God, that thing's amazing. It's beautiful. Um, didn't think that much more of it. Um, but then I got burgled. Um, and at that okay. time, I had um, airborne, you know, titanium, uh, um, you know, kind of fragmented and became Vandiculus. And, but Air, Airborne was probably one of the first brands to bring titanium to a mass market. And they were really kind of cool-looking bikes. Um, so I had two of those. I had, a, I had a Thai hardtail and I had a Thai road bike and a selection of other bikes. Um, and I got burgled and they all got stolen. You know, my wife, she had her, um, she had an 11-inch GT Zaskar, which took so long to find because she's only tiny. But it took me so long to source that frame. And then we built it up beautifully. Um, that got stolen. That was gutting. And she had a Bianchi, you know, um, Dharma Bianca, like ladies Bianchi stolen as well. So once we got the insurance settlement, um, I replaced her road bike and I got her a, I got her a new mountain bike. Um, and I used the rest of the money from the other, I think, five or six bikes that were stolen uh, and bought this stock. And it was the actual one from Eurobike, so it was custom sprayed. and But all the custom work on it and all the custom um, elements to it were done in the UK by by Posh Bikes. And okay. Posh Bikes down in Maidstone, um, you know, yeah, then father and son team of, of Wally and Andy. Um, now, Wally... Wally Wallace, as it was, um, uh, God rest him, you know, he's not no longer with us, but he is the godfather of, of mm. lightweight and exotic stuff in the UK. You know, he's the guy that brought tune to the UK and lightweight and AX lightness and, you know, all of these super exotic brands that you saw, you know, were, were so aspirational. No con cables and, you know, um, all those fancy bits you saw on, on pro tour bikes at the time. It was like, where did they get those? And you go, oh, posh bikes sell them. You know, that's what they were all about. Uh, and they were amazing they're an amazing company to deal with even to this day they still have some some great stuff and i've never known like um sort of after sales service like it you know case case in point when i was building that bike and you know the story of building that bike is ridiculous because it just took so long because i wanted it to be just so um i i kind of commissioned um posh bikes to build me a set of wheels which were based on super light dt aluminium rims um paired with DT spokes, uh, but then tune hubs, but I wanted the um, the spoke nipples to be anodized in exactly the same green as the tune hubs. So they went right. out and sort of specially commissioned it so that they would all match. And then Harry Rowland, one of the best wheel builders that, you know Britain's ever made, built them for me. Um, again, they were a Christmas present, sort of, um, to myself. We have some great Christmases. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then... Uh, and it was a caveat you know, from from Laura was that you, you can't ride those wheels before Christmas. So okay. we'd gone away, you know, up to visit family and, and friends for Christmas. And I took my bike with me and I took the wheels with me, set it up Christmas Day and went out riding. And then I think like midday Christmas Day, I get a phone call as I'm mm. out riding. I was out riding the Fens in Lincolnshire, you know, loving the bike, loving the wheels. And it's Wally on Christmas Day, phoning me up. Mm-hmm. It's like after sales service. I knew you'd be out on the wheels today, what they're like. Wow. You know, and you just go, wow, you just don't have, you know, that's that goes above and beyond, you know. Yeah, and and yeah, it, yeah. when I was building this bike, I mean, I spent, I don't want to think about how much I spent on it, but it was more than five figures. 
mm-hmm. you know, and it took about 18 months, you know, case in point, the Nocon cables that I wanted on it. Now, no, mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody, if you don't know what Nocons are, they're like, they're not the like individual cables, bits, aren't they? Yeah, very small machine pieces yeah. of aluminium that kind of segmented together. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, you know, beautiful things, really elegant, um, half the weight of normal cables. And that, mm-hmm. that was always the thing with that bike, I wanted to make it super light. But again, I wanted the green of those cables to match the anodized green of the tuned stem and green tuned seat post and green tuned cranks I I bought for the bike. And I paid for those cables again at Eurobike on the Nocon stand after I was there with Wally from Posh Bikes and we would like basically give them samples, like tune color samples. It was like, this is what I want. Right. It took 18 months for those cables to arrive because they were having, apparently green is one of the hardest colors to anodize because okay. you have to mix other colors. You know, I don't know the full, I'm sure some people do. But it just, it took that long. But I paid up front for them, you know, mm-hmm. and it was, oh, it's a couple, it was more than a couple of hundred pounds for a set of cable. <laughs> um, gear and brake, mind you, you know. So, oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but of course, when that bike completely came together and it had things like custom green um, Crank Brothers road pedals, which are sadly no longer made, mm. um, which is a shame actually, because, you know, I really like those pedals. And it's one of my bugbears with road road systems is the cleats are made of plastic they don't last very long and then they become landfill whereas mountain bikers have the have the best thing because you've got metal cleats yeah. you know they last for ages and it's metal so it can be recycled so mm. you know so that's why i really like that crank for the system um i had uh custom grips for the for the campag um custom bar tape custom physique saddle and um, like went to town on absolutely everything on that bike and it was awesome you know, it, 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 bear in mind, it's an aluminium bike, mechanical group set, metal wheels. It was 6.3 kilos in my size. Really? 58. It was so light and it's still super light today. Beautiful. Yeah. But by the time I'd finished it, um, everything had gone 11 speed and everything had gone carbon. So it was like, it's a, it's a testament to my hubris that I thought I'd make this amazing <laughs> bike. And by the time I finished it, it was out of date. But yeah, still yeah, yeah. now, you know, high days and dry days in summer, I'll still take that bike out because it is just awesome. I mean, you know, when we when we were shooting this feature, I, I kind of took it out and I was taking it for a spin to just make sure everything still works and everything. And you're just looking down at these super narrow rims with these 23C tires on it and just mm. going, oh my God, I used to ride on this. You know, mm. these things are so skinny. They're so narrow. They look frightening, you know, compared to what we're riding yeah. today. But it still feels awesome. I mean, it's still a fabulous bike. Yeah. One of the things you said um, before we sort of started recording was uh, it was about the custom built. Um, was it Linsky you were saying, mm. and, and how like the it's not always the result of a you know a custom when it is a custom built bike. It's not always the result of the bike, but the the process of getting there that's actually what makes it so special. Well, I mean, in, in this you know this collection that's on the, on the feature on radar, um, there's two custom bikes on there. There's one a Parley. Z0 mm-hmm. um, from 2013 was when I, I got that one. And that was a, a fabulous, you know, fabulous process. Talking to Tom at Parley, you know, I mean, you know, transcontinental phone calls with him and chatting through the sort of thing that I wanted. And, you know, the interesting thing with the Parley is that, that the geometry of that Parley is based on the stalk. Right. Because I loved the way the stalk handled. So I, I kind of sent him, you know, old data sheets of the stalk and said, well, this is the sort of thing I'm looking for. And, this is how I want it to ride. And this is how I want it to feel. And and 
Partly as you know, such masters of, of carbon fiber on that custom side of things that that's exactly what they did with that bike. You know, even the color of the Parley, which is kind of a metallic British racing green, was sort of a homage to the store. You know, it was all it was all a similar thing. And, and so my experience with them was fantastic. You know, I went up to to um, Bespoke, um, a shop in in Farringdon in London, and did some retail fittings with them so we could work on the position that you know to get it right for and send all that across to to Parley. They built that bike. It's fabulous. It's absolutely stunning. Again, you know, ridiculously light, ridiculously fast. Um, but then the, the, the kind of next custom project I did was with with Linsky. You know, it, it turned mm-hmm. into a feature in the magazine, and and that I was talking with. Um, you know, uh, Mark at Linsky, lots of phone conversations, lots of two in a frame with kind of little sketches and things like that, because that, that Linsky is kind of based on two of their bikes. So I wanted the kind of the pro race sort of feel and handling, but I wanted generous clearances because I wanted it to be more of a, a bigger all kind of rounder bike, you know, a sort of a cross between a, an endurance bike, a race bike, and but a bit of gravel thrown in there as well. Because I just wanted mm-hmm. it to be, I thought Titanium was the sort of bike that would last for life. So I wanted it to be as versatile as possible. And sure. the process of dealing with Linsky was just fantastic. Absolutely. Because nothing was too much to ask. You know, because right. I would say, right, well, I'd like the fork off, off you know, the disc fork off your cross bike. But I'd like the head tube from the, from the pro race. And then I want um, the broader rear end um coming from your kind of gravel platform but then i'd like it with this kind of geometry and um can you chuck in helix tubes not for any reason i just think they look cool you know that kind of twisted yeah. tube and, and everything i asked they just went yeah we can do that it was right. the most wonderful thing um and even down to you know i when i was doodling on the phone um to mark about possibly painting it you know, and I know some people think painting titanium sacrilege, but I kind of thought, well, I, you know, and so I kind of sketched out this kind of almost like zebra pattern, this kind of concentric black and white circles that faded into the titanium. And I just, you know, I was literally sketching this with a biro as I was, you know, sitting at my desk, um, chatting away. And then I said, and I said, hang on, Mark, and I took a photo of it and emailed it to him. So I, I kind of like it as a little like this. And he went, yeah, we can do that. That looks really cool. He said, but do you mind if we put Linsky on it? And I went, Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> you know, he, he assumed that I, I just wanted this paint job and not to say what makeup was. I said, no, no, of course we can do that. And then, um, you know, they shipped it off to one of the best Harley Davidson painters in, you know, in Tennessee to get it custom painted. And, you know, and then I, I had the fabulous opportunity to go out to Linsky and do a feature about them. to actually go right. and pick the bike up and go riding it in their homeland sort of thing. And then when they get, you, you get to Linsky and then, you know, I'm chatting with Mark and then I meet Mark's brother, who is the kind of the engineer who, who draws up all the drawings. Mm-hmm. so he's the guy that sketched out my idea and made it work and then we walk onto the factory floor and it's um it's their uncle is the guy that cuts the mitres the tubes and then I go over and watch them welding and the the chief welder the best welder in the building is um mark's brother's ex-wife and right. and, and then you walk back inside and you go into the main office and sit you know sit down and have a coffee and you know chatting about everything and then um, this, this lady comes in and Mark goes, oh, meet, meet, this is my mum. And I was like, oh, right. Yeah. She's the company accountant. So it's this family business. And it's like, yeah, yeah. You, and after spending like a week with them, you just get this incredible kind of emotional connection with these, these people. You sort of go, well, what a, you know, what a nice place. What a great brand. What, what you know, mm. what great people. And, and, and so you end up with this connection with the bike. And I got the bike, you know, got the bike back. I was back riding it in the UK and, and I, you know, I absolutely love it. And, 
But if you could go out and probably buy something off the shelf that would be superior, it would right. be lighter, it would do everything that little bit better. But I always think the thing with custom, and I'm a big advocate of custom bikes, not because everybody needs something bespoke and everybody needs something that's mm-hmm. exactly measured for them. It's not about that. It's that journey. You know, I think the idea of a custom bike is it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. Mm. You know, and, and once you've made that journey and you've got that bike at the end of it, you're so attached to it and you're so, you know, you, 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 yeah. you're just it's such a part of of a part of your life that you you, you just want to keep it you just want to yeah. you know you want to cherish cherish it whereas I, I think if you've just gone out and bought something you might think in a couple of years time well it's probably time to move that on i mean i think i mean i i, I test a lot of mountain bikes obviously with with marl and you know i haven't tested as many as you've tested because i've only been doing it for about seven years but you know i feel like i've i've ridden a lot of bikes but the only bike that i own like i haven't gone down the route of buying loads of bikes i've gone down the route of well next year i'll get something different the next you know but there have been a few bikes i've nearly bought but i haven't the only bike i've got left is a, is a custom built hardtail i got um in my you know between school and going to uni I, I worked in a in a factory making sweets um which was actually quite miserable um but i bought a custom steel hardtail from um a company called solitude cycles which no longer exists sadly but I've still got the frame because it has that, you know, it's it's in my it's in the the, the loft of my garage. Um, it doesn't, you know, it, it's like I guess a bit like uh, your stalk. By the time I finished it, it was basically out of date. Like it's twenty six inch wheels, had a straight steerer, um, didn't have uh, dropper routing, didn't have a seat tube, uh, seat post size big enough for a dropper. So it was almost like you know immediately out of date. But it still had that that love for it. Yeah. One of the um, other sort of things we we sort of briefly touched on earlier on was, you know, a lot of these bikes that you've been talking about that you have in the garage, you know, they all sound like super fancy. You know, you've got your Storks, you've got your Linkskis, uh, you've got, you know, wheels from posh bikes, all this sort of stuff. But you also mentioned the Cannondale Synapse, um, and, they, and you've got a non-high mod Synapse. Yeah, I mean, that's um, it's the Cannondale um, Synapse 5 from 2014. Which is actually Cycling Plus and Bike Radar's Bike of the Year in 2014. Yeah. You can probably still find some uh, test or video footage oh, on, sure, on yeah. Bike Radar about that actual bike. And and again, that bike I just loved it so much. Um, when it came to time to for it to go back, I just sort of you know uh, I'd rather it didn't sort of thing. And um, and I ended up um, sort of upgrading every element of it. So um, you know I put a carbon post on it. I put an expensive saddle on it. Um, I put um, an FSA K-Wing bar in it, which is probably my favourite bar of all time. I've got a K-Wing on the Linsky. I've got a K-Wing on the Stork. Uh, I've got a K-Wing. Well, I've got the new version of the K-Wing on my TCR. So it's like one of my all-time favourite bars. So that's on it. It's got the carbon FSA stem to match. Um, but I did all this to it, but I never changed it from being Shimano 10-speed 105. So I, I ended up with like the most expensive 105 bike in the world. Um <laughs> I mean, only recent, only when um, Shimano released the last mechanical dual race, um, you know, 9100, um, did I change from from 105 because basically I didn't have another bike that I could put the mechanical dual race on. I almost felt guilty for you know dropping the 105, but I had I had lots of um, shall we say sort of heated conversations with with some of the engineers at Cannondale about that bike uh-huh. because I love it and again you know uh, it's you know. Uh, 
it's a rim, it's rim brake bike as well, as is my as is my Parley, as is my Stort. So you know, so I'm still a I'm still a fan of rim brakes in in their place. You know, I don't think they offer any performance advantage over over discs, but I wouldn't discount them. And I love that Cannondale. It's just so plushly comfortable. It's just such a lovely bike. But my argument to Cannondale was, this is the best Synapse because mm-hmm. um, it was a standard carbon, um, a little bit heavier, incredibly comfortable, just so beautifully shock absorbent and so comfortable. It was such a lovely, lovely ride. But then when I tested the higher models, the high mods, which they use that, you know, a lot more high modulus carbon, I went, well, they've ruined this bike. This is too stiff. This is race bike stiff. This is race bike hard. That's not what the Synapse is about. The Synapse should be the bike that you can ride for eight or nine hours and mm-hmm. and still sort of feel fresh enough to stand at the bar once you finish the eight or nine hour ride. On a, on a high mod, you just want to go and lie down in a dark room. You know, um, and so I, I, you know, I had these 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 kind of, um, shall we say, spirited conversations with with mm. some of the guys at, at Cannondale about it. Um, um, but you know, they're brilliant engineers. But I was right. <laughs> <laughs> and is that maybe a bit of a lesson then? Like, it's always easy to to look for those. You know, I must get the high mod if I can just afford like the the lower spec high mod instead of the higher spec. You know, actually, I've had this discussion with. Rob Weaver about um, some of the test bikes going into bike here. You know, you can get a carbon version of this bike with a lower spec, but really you should get the aluminium version. Is that maybe is that the lesson to sort of learn? Don't yeah, I think, go for the I think so. One? Definitely. You know, I think um, you know, uh, wouldn't want to pick on on Cannondale um, no, no, no. in particular, but I would say the sort of money that you could spend on a CAD thirteen at the kind of Ultegra one hundred five level, I think you're better placed buying a CAD thirteen than you would be buying the lowest level evo mm-hmm. you know the cap 13 is just you know better lighter in every respect you know obviously it can't match the evos once you right you know rise up that kind of value you know that kind of price channel but yeah yeah i think you know um i think that's always i think that's always the the the, the best way to go mm. you know because it's you have to sort of think well what you know to to buy the biggest and fanciest frame i'm compromising absolutely everything else so i'm going to end up spending much more in the long run to bring everything else up to the standard of that frame and sometimes you know the thing that case in point with that synapse is for its purpose which goes back to what i was saying at the start for its aim what they aim that bike to do that's the best iteration of it well, well, well let's um think about going forward i mean you're you're not hanging your boots up yet you've got plenty of years left i'm sure of, of testing bikes um do you need to get a third garage? Oh God, I don't. I don't even want to think about it. We were talking about it, possibly putting an extension on the house. Uh-huh. You know, Laura's talking about it because she she, um, you know, uh, like a you know sort of convert the loft into a into a space to put the rest of my junk, um, uh, and you know improve, you know improve the kitchen and improve the the bathroom sort of thing. Whereas I'm just thinking, very understanding, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking two floor garage, you know, Absolutely, garage yeah, with, with a mezzanine level, you know. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, uh, I guess at some point I'm, I am going to have to to move some. And I, you know, to be fair, there are bikes that I've loved in the past that I have moved on. You know, there was a uh, one of the first kind of proper fancy bikes I bought, which was a Bianchi nine two eight C two C. Carbon, carbon Bianchi, loved it, absolutely loved it. Did loads and loads of work on it. Um, but it had kind of become kind of my second or third tier bike as it was. And I went out to Australia to visit my brother. And I thought, well, I'll take that one with me because I can ride that whilst I'm out there. 
and we spent you know like a month riding riding with my brother out there and then when it came time to come home i was looking at what my brother was riding which was like this ropey cheap chinese bit of junk you know just terrible bike i felt so sorry for him i just left the bianchi there i said yeah keep it you know and he's been he's ridden that for, for a long long time in fact last year he, he he phoned me last year and said look i'm going to get rid of the bianchi and i went god you still got it he said yeah i've i've found a bloke called swap it for a um um a full source 29er okay um for his son for my brother my brother wanted to you know improve my 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 nephew's bike and i said yeah do it do it and he said yeah. but that means you know if i give it to him i'm gonna to have to take your name off it and i went well yeah i didn't realize <laughs> my name was still on it you know <laughs> yeah. and so um so yeah that's you know that 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 bike's been illegally exported to australia um and then there's another one probably is pay it? a tariff on that or something yeah maybe um and then there was um the bmc uh gf01 which again was a uh, was a bike of the year winning bike which i Again, I was really impressed with. So I got in touch with BMC and got a frame, bought a frame set. Um, and I wrote that and kind of built that up really well. I think by the time I kind of finished, it had some nice carbon wheels on it, Ultegra DI2. Um, but I, ne- I I moved that one on because I needed to fund buying my current TCR, which I think there's a Bike Radar Builds video yeah. going live quite soon about that bike. Um, but I moved that one on to, to Steve, who works on Cycling Plus. He's the art, art director on okay. Cycling Plus. And he lives in the next village. So I know that that I can get back at some point. You know, yeah. I can always buy that one back. That one is sort of out on it. You know, I've sold it, but it's out. It, I consider it like an extended loan sort of thing. <laughs> you know, it would just cost me to, to, to bring, it, bring it back to the fold. Like one of those pawn shops. Yeah, yeah. I'm like cash converters. Yeah. There you are, yeah. <laughs> um, well, before we wrap up, is, it, are there, is there anything um, that's sort of caught your eye in your current test fleet? The bikes that you know you don't you are riding at the moment for, for CP anything? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a variety. I mean, one of my biggest regrets is that I never I never got a um, a Cannondale Super Six Evo, the, the the previous generation, the super light round tube, you know, the disc model. I loved that, absolutely love that bike, and I still to this day can't work out why I never I never no, um, bit the bullet and got one. And I still, I mean, I do love the new one as well. So. That's kind of on my radar. The new TCR sort of takes, you know, my favourite bike of the minute. You know, my of bikes I own. It's, it's, it takes it takes it from ten and pushes it up to like twelve. It's you know an awesome right. thing. I can't really justify it because all I'd be doing would be saving, you know, a couple of hundred grams and um, according according to official wind tunnel data, a few watts or whatever. But I don't really right. care about that. <laughs> um, so that's always tempting. But actually, recently. Um, and it's a bit left field because I do have quite a few gravel bikes already. Um, you know, I've got my Cannondale Slate. Um, I've got a GT Grade as a long-termer, um, which again is custom-built with GRX Di2, and I love that bike. You know, mm. that that won't be leading me. That you know, that I've already got a separate bank account that I'm saving up to to keep hold of that one. Um, but recently, I just did um, Ragley's new Trig, which okay. is a kind of sub two thousand quid steel gravel bike and it's a riot it's so much fun you know it's 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 a gravel bike that's been inspired by by ragley you know so it's a it's inspired by mountain bikers and it's 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 got everything going for it's just it it just inspires you to just bad behavior just Mm. it's properly fun bike to ride you know I was going out when I was testing it. I was going out, you know, heading out onto onto, you know, I lived near Salisbury Plain, so I was out riding on the plane and everything. But 
on both my outbound journey and my inbound journey, I would swing by the next town because there's a BMX track and just do a few laps of the BMX track on it because it's just right. so much fun. Um, so I'm already sort of, you know, drawing my fingers and thinking, well, I could get a trig frame set and then I could build it up kind of interesting and fun. And, you know, um, but... I, I, you know, I don't know how, I, how, you know, as soon as I've got, I've got a slate, I've got a grade, um, I've got a Kinesis Tripster ATR as a long-term bike at the moment. So I do effectively have three, three gravel bikes. I'm not sure yeah. how easily I can justify a fourth. Um, right. I can justify it to myself. It's just, yeah, I don't course. think I can justify it to the rest of the household, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure your cats and dog really, they, you know, they've got a strong opinion on it. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think you know, as long as long as the bikes don't encroach inside the house, then then I, I think I can get away with it. Then you say I can hide them, basically. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, <laughs> great stuff. Well, um, yeah, I think we'll we'll wrap it up there. But thank you, was that's um a, a real nice insight. And and if you do want to see um the inside of Warren's garage, um, then uh, as I say, there's this TCR bike build coming up on the radar on, on YouTube channel. Um, there's also a, you can get a quick peek at inside his saddlebag uh, that was on the YouTube channel, um, and then there's a couple of features that have, have gone up recently, um, including one today on Bike Radar um, concerning this, and of course in Cycling Plus magazine too. Um, so yeah, you can get your feast your eyes on um, the the cacophony of bikes inside uh, Warren's uh, garage, which is excessive. Um, but yeah, thank you very much, Warren. That was great. No worries, mate. And uh, we'll uh, we'll catch you next time. And uh, yeah, don't forget to subscribe to the Bike Radar podcast as well, and um, wherever you get them, uh, there's a new podcast every Monday. All right, thanks very much. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you want any more information on what we've been talking about or more news and views on cycling, check out bikeradar.com. Radar.com.